Thank you, Arno. We made you work this morning. You had a lot of verses there. Thank you for reading them for us. And just a reminder to you, children, that if you didn't uh, pick up the little children's packets when you came in, I think there may still be some available from the ushers. So. Uh, well, my, uh, my privilege this morning to introduce to you our guest speaker today, uh, a friend and a colleague, uh, Robert Sanford. Robert is married to uh, Charlene. Uh, Charlene's here this morning. Welcome. And they have one daughter and two sons. Uh, many of you know Becky and Ryan Harris and uh, their two girls. Uh, Becky was our, our worship leader for a season before moving to uh, Prince George. And Becky's here this morning, too. So we want to welcome you. And the girls, is Ryan here? No, he's not here this morning. Uh, Robert has served as the pastor of Ambleside Baptist Church, uh, formerly called Riverbend Baptist Church. And that's how we met. Uh, uh, Robert is a graduate of our uh, seminary in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and uh, Charlene and Robert are now part of the TCC congreg congregation on an interim basis as they look to God for the next steps in their, in their journey for the next church. So kind of an opportune time to call upon Robert for a little relief on the pitching mound, and he said, yeah, he could, he could come and he would be available, so let's give uh, Robert a warm welcome this morning. Ken, I hope I didn't say yes too quickly when you said, come in from the bullpen. Um, before I say anything in terms of where I, what do I believe the Lord has laid on my heart to share with you this morning, um, I want to make a public declaration of thanks to Pastor Ken, Pastor Norb, who's away on sabbatical, and to Pastor Ed. Um, when the Lord started talking to me, and I'll share a bit of my story uh, a little bit later, uh, they were all three very quick to say, come and rest. And it's been a real privilege to worship with all of you during these past months. And uh, God, is, God has definitely been at work in our hearts and lives. And on behalf of my family, thank you. At different times, we use different ways to accomplish the same thing. Different tools get you to the same end. There's a commercial on TV these days uh, about these guys being told, go into this room, you'll find a piece of wood and two saws. Uh, you choose which one you'll use, and they all use the power tool, right? And get the business done, and, and, and I won't go any further to tell you how important uh, Chevy trucks are because they're the most powerful tool on the market because that would really ruin the commercial if you haven't seen it before. Um, it's different tools, the same end. If I were to tell you, you need to go out and dig a hole in your backyard today, it'd be much easier, obviously, to dig it with your hands because, of course, the, the ground is finally starting to get some saturation in it. You might say, well, but using my hands isn't the quickest way, so what I want to do is grab a shovel or trowel out of my shed, and that's what I'm going to use. But, of course, as Tim Allen on uh, Home Improvement from years ago, I'll show my age, uh, said, you know, more power is always better. Go grab the backhoe uh, and power that puppy up and dig that hole. Now, when you think about it, preparing a meal or portions of a meal the same way, 
if, if you're in the kitchen and you declare, um, we need to cut some vegetables up for the meal, what would you grab to do it? And you say, well, it all depends. And it depends on what? It depends on what you're cutting and it depends on how you want that cut, whether it's a knife or a chopper of some sort. Uh, even cooking your food is the same thing. Um, anybody here brave enough to barbecue yesterday? I am the only one. Wow. Honey, you see how impressed you should be with me right now? I barbecued last night before it rained, so it was good. But, you know, you can use a stove. You can use the oven. You can use the barbecue. Any number of ways you can do that. So much of life can be lived in a variety of ways, and at different times we choose to live life using different means. Now think about this. How do you communicate with people today? And this video clip we saw a moment ago, not only was it hilarious, but you saw the variety and ways and means of communicating even there in that video clip. We pick up the phone and call or we text or we email or instant message. Oh, oh, and dare that we actually go next door, ring the doorbell and talk to our neighbor. When you think about it, our God, who is infinitely creative, has used a variety of ways and means to speak into the lives of people throughout time. In Genesis chapter 3, we're told that God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, though if you're aware of what's going on in chapter 3, it wasn't the most pleasant moment for Adam and Eve to have God in the garden when they realized, of course, that they had sinned. We also find... In Exodus chapter 3, God used a bush that wouldn't burn up to draw Moses to a point where he could pass along the plan and purpose for Moses for Moses to, to know, hey, you're going to be used by me to deliver my people. You remember that story, Exodus 3? Moses sees this bush off out on the horizon and says, wow, look, a bush that doesn't burn up. That's crazy. I'm going to go check that out. Boredom sets in pretty quick, obviously. So he goes out, checks the bush, gets close, and God speaks from that bush. God speaks into that moment and says, take off your shoes, take off your sandals, Moses. You're on holy ground. In Numbers chapter 22, probably one of the most crazy ways that God got somebody's attention was the conversation that the prophet Balaam had with his faithful donkey, now, I don't know about you, but my cars never talk back to me. Um, it's not behaved itself, but it's never talked back to me. This morning, I'd like to share with you a few examples from my own life in the way that God has communicated with me over the years. Now, my story is unique to me. I, I will acknowledge that. But no doubt the means and methods that God has used to connect with me aren't unique in his arsenal of communication skills that he has no doubt used with you or some of you today. The first means of contact God has used with me is this. I've heard God speak to me through his written word. I've heard God speak to me through his written word. Um, you know, I, it was during my third year of Bible college that God used the words of Joshua 1.9 in an extremely powerful and motivating way in my life. 
that has shaped my ministry, shaped my heart to understand what it was that God was going to have me do in the years to come. At that moment, I was staring down the barrel of my first ministry appointment, an internship. At first, it sounded like it was going to be Florida, and then the next step, it sounded like it was going to be in Minot, North Dakota, which is where it actually did end up. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, wow, that sounds like some interesting places to be. Understand, I was born and raised in California. What did this California boy know about anything on the East Coast, let alone in the Midwest? Not a farmer which still makes our friendship that much more unique. (laughs) In that quiet moment of that devotional time, God lifted out a phrase that has spoken into my heart for years. In Joshua 1 to 9, as was read for us a moment ago, you find a man on the cusp of a new era. A new era that would change everything for Israel. And the words that God would use in the midst of this have clung to me for the past 35 years and been an encouragement to my heart. In verse 3, we find the words, I will give you every place where you set your foot. I will give you every place where you set your foot. Those words have spoken volumes to me when I wonder to myself in distress at times. How does a California boy do ministry in the upper Midwest? How does a California boy do ministry in Canada for 30 30 plus years? How does a California boy do ministry surrounded by farmers in their fields? How does a boy from an upper middle class Caucasian upbringing do ministry in a multinational congregation who's immigrated to this place? All of us have likely sensed God's words in our own situations as we've read His word, and it speaks to us. Have you ever found yourself grieving only to have the words of Psalm 23 embrace that grief? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. What has God used in your world and in your life to speak into your life as you've read his word? Maybe it's been the words of the prophet Jeremiah, very popular words that have been drawn out of the text in Jeremiah 29, 11, that God has used to help you be steadfast in the moments of question and uncertainty. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. God's Word is full of promises. It's full of expressions of His love for us. Words of challenge, words of comfort, Words of peace and grace. You ever sat down with your your Bible in the morning, whether you do it digitally or with the old school actually having it in your hand, and the text that comes up 
You've read before. But for the very first time, it speaks into your heart and mind in that moment a truth that you can cling to for the day. A freshness that you never, never had seen before. Yet in that moment, God says, this is my word into your life. God lets his spirit initiate these truths in ways and means that speak to us beyond our understanding. If you want me to put it another way, it's like having a phone and refusing to answer it if you're not getting under the word on a daily basis. I've been away the last two weeks, one week on vacation, and last week I had the privilege of preaching in another church. And, and these journals that Pastor Ken has passed out that uh, you've been given. And I, I thought about that. I thought, you know, journaling has never been my strong suit. Yet there have been seasons in my life where I've actually sat down and, and with a blank page in front of me and God's word beside me and I've read a passage of scripture and then I've prayed, God, what is it you need me to hear or see or sense from this passage you've opened before me today? And I, and I didn't think much of it. I would write out my prayer. I didn't think it was anything spectacular or, or special. Yet, when I was packing up my office a few months back, I came across that journal and I sat down and I just read through it and realized in the midst of those moments, little did I think or understand or really appreciate, God was speaking. What is he speaking into your life in these moments and in these days? Get into the word. It doesn't have to be read the Bible in in a month. It's just get into the word. Because that's one of the ways and means that God is going to speak. Like I said a moment ago, it's like having a phone and not answering it. Now, I know people like that. They let the phone ring. They wait to see whose name comes up on the call display. Last time I checked, his handprint is all over his word. Are you prepared to hear it, lean into it, and appreciate what he is speaking into your life? That's one way that God has spoken to me. Another way God has communicated with me is this. I've heard God speak to me through others. Let me, let me bring that Joshua chapter 2 scripture reading from a moment ago into, into completeness. Joshua sends a couple of men over to spy out Jericho and to spy out the land. And they go into Jericho and they meet the woman Rahab and the, the police, the army, whoever. You know, they're coming to find these men. And they go to Rahab's house and Rahab Uh, tells them, hey, they left. You might want to quick go out that way. And I think they took a right. And so they, they, the, the, the guys left. And it's the words that we heard read a moment ago. She's up on the roof having a conversation with these men. And you find those words 
that she declared in verses 8 to 11, where she says very pointedly, I know the Lord has given you this land and we all live in terror of you. Well, the spies eventually safely make it back to Joshua. In Joshua chapter 24, 20, or 2, verse 24, the words we shared, again, Joshua shares or hears from his spies. The Lord has given us the whole land for all the people living terrified of us. Why was it that God gave these men those words? Was it for them specifically or was it for Joshua as a reminder? We're not told, but these men bought the message from God. God has gone before us and it is time to step out and believe that he is going to take us into this land. There is nothing like having someone speak into your life on behalf of the Lord our God. Now that's not to say that everyone who thinks they are speaking into our life on behalf of God is doing so. Be careful. You say, well, give me an example of that. Well, go to the book of Job and read about Job and his three friends. Uh, They thought they had it all together, but missed the point. God knew and would speak into that as well. Now for me, it had this... I had this happen more clearly back in 1999. For two years leading up to this particular point in time in my life, God had communicated very, very clearly that his intent was to keep me in Yorkton, Saskatchewan, pastor of the Heritage Baptist Church there. I would, on a regular basis, field calls from churches saying the same thing. Hey, we'd like to talk to you about possibly coming and and being our pastor. And God had told me to tell everybody this. God wants me here. One day at lunch, the phone rang. I had come home for lunch. A church from the east had asked if I'd be interested in considering a conversation with them about becoming their pastor. And I had just gotten done telling them what I had told everybody else up to that time. God, you know, I appreciate your interest, but God wants me here. And no sooner am I hanging up the phone than my wife walks in the door. And I laughed and said, you'll never guess what happened. I got another phone call, this one from a church. I don't know where it was, but they, they wanted me to come and I told them no. Charlene looks at me in that moment and asks me a heart-searching question. Are you sure we should be saying no? I was dumbfounded. I couldn't find words to speak to her. And she carried on. She said, are you sure we shouldn't be talking with these churches that are calling? You know, you've grown up in the West and you've always wanted to move West. If a church from BC called tomorrow, would you be so quick to say no? Well, after getting over the shock of the moment, I looked at her and asked if God had spoken to her and left me out of the conversation. She responded, I don't know, Robert, but I think we need to be more open 
to what God may be doing at this moment in time. Let me fast forward 24 hours to the minute. And the phone rings. It's the area minister from the NAB churches in British Columbia wondering if I'd be interested in having a conversation with one of their, one of their churches in B.C. about becoming their pastor. I did the only thing that I could think of in that moment. Uh, uh, let me pray about it. It's 2 o'clock in the morning now. 14 hours after that initial phone call. And I'm at the computer, right, drafting an email to the area minister saying, I can't sleep. Obviously, God has something more in store than I can begin to appreciate. I think we need to talk. God had gotten my attention. And if you were to ask Charlene this morning after the service... What prompted you to say that? Her response to you would be this. I don't know, but I did know that God needed to get our attention. Well, God had gotten it. And I ask you this, who has God used to get your attention? To get ready for what he has in store for your life. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's to participate in some event that the church is doing. You ever have those nudges and moments when God speaks to you through another saying, Hey, do you know this person? I think God would have you go and share with them. I don't know. But I do know this, that when God uses others in that way to encourage us, this morning I had a number of people, I was praying through the sanctuary or through the rows this morning when I got here. And I had several of you come to me and you did something that encouraged my heart. You said, I have been praying for you. Which was God telling me again, Robert, I have not forgotten you. God uses other people's voices to move us and encourage us in a path that He would have us to go. But let me share one more way that God has spoken into my life. I've heard God speak to me through that quiet whisper. The account of Elijah is one of great highs and lows. You take the time to read through his account that you find in in 1 Kings and you find him doing what God tells him to do, seeing great victories along the road and along the way. But you find him in chapter 19 running away after one of the greatest victories that we see in his life and in his record. But his response is one of anguish and loneliness. He basically tells God, let me lay down and die because I am all alone. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 to 13, which was read for us a bit ago, God got Elijah's attention. And when he got done running, God said, All right, Elijah, 
You think you know what you think you know, but let me tell you the truth. And in that gentle whisper, not in the great ruckus of all the other things, but in that quiet whisper, God says, why are you here? There are times when we'd like God to thunder and roar, wouldn't we? Just get it out there, Lord, and send me that fax, as Grandma said in the video. Just show it to me. Put it out there in plain writing. I want you to be a seminary professor who's going to go to Cameroon and, and teach this. You know, put it out there. This is what I want you to do. I want you to be from Galt, of all places. Ed and I were neighbors across the river. He didn't, we probably weren't there at the same time. But this dear brother grew up just across the river from my hometown. And God spoke into Ed's life in whatever way it was and said, Ed, I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. This is the way I'm going to take you. More times than not, we hear that quiet, soft whisper of our Heavenly Father who wants to affirm or invite us to understand what is going on and what He would have us to do. About three years ago, God spoke into my heart and into my mind this simple truth. Robert, get ready. I've got something new. Three years ago, I was the pastor of Ambleside Baptist Church. I had been there for seven years. Things were going well. And I'm thinking to myself, Lord, what on earth are you thinking? What's coming? Tell me. Applied for a couple of positions over the next couple of years just to have my hand slammed in the door, if you will. And God says, be ready. I've got something new. It was a year ago that God really got our attention. And this time it was to step away from our role in ministry here in Edmonton. Now you need to understand, I preach a pretty hard sermon to my family. Never, never, never resign to nothing. Never. Always have that next place planned out and ready. But before I knew it, God was telling me to do that exact thing. Father's Day last year, I stood before my congregation and declared that in three months I was stepping away. Anger, frustration on their part. What on earth are you doing? Why are you doing this to us? But more personally, as I saw the Sundays dry, go by, I would drive home and have this conversation with God. God, we're down to four weeks. I only get to preach four more times and then what? And God whispered into my heart this one word. Rest. The following Sunday, Lord, we're down to three rest we're down to two lord we're running out of time where's that next appointment going to come from rest on my last sunday 
with nowhere to go in terms of ministry the following Sunday, I said, Lord, we have run out of time. And the Lord whispered sweetly this one word, rest. I didn't know how tired I was. I had no idea how tired I was. God raised up an individual who did hire this preacher to do something completely unrelated. And I would come home from working my eight-hour day, sit on the couch and fall asleep, just have Charlene wake me up, feed me supper, just to have me find me back on the couch after supper, sound asleep, get up, go to bed, go to sleep, sleep like a baby, have to get up the next day and do it over and the next day over and the next day again. Little did I know how worn out and tired I was after 30 years of ministry without a break. I applaud you as a congregation. I applaud you as a congregation for the affirmation you give your staff by saying, take the sabbatical, let them be strengthened in it, and they will come back refreshed and renewed and ready for what God holds in store for this church in the months and years to come. God bless you for that. Never received that in my years of ministry, not to fault the churches. But God knew what I needed in this season. He continues to affirm in my heart and mind, I've got something new, Robert. I continue to wait at times and not so comfortably for God to open the door. Hurry up already, God. It's been seven and a half months, almost eight months. Last Sunday was the first Sunday morning I got to preach in a church's pulpit since the end of September last year. And all God continues to whisper into my heart and mind is rest, wait, and now be ready. There's a worship song that we have sung in this church over the past few months. Charlene and I did the traditional church hopping in because we never have that privilege and opportunity. Uh, you know, after school, after seminary, I went right into ministry always had a place to be on Sunday morning. So Charlene and I decided last fall we were going to take October, November, December and just kind of go around the city and go check out some churches. What are people doing? So on and so forth. Come the end of December, we looked at each other and said, this has got to end. It's enough already. Let's go back where we know God has called us to be. So we showed up here in January And that Sunday morning, a worship song was introduced that has been done, and I say this with all due love and respect, over and over and over again. Because I believe God has needed me to hear the words over and over and over. If you were at the Tim or Chris Tomlin concert on 
Friday night, you heard him perform it, and I wept there as I do here every time it is chosen. Good, good Father. You remember the words? I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like. But I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me, thank you, please. And that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. I had no idea what this song was that we were going to sing. That's The words came up on the screen. And it didn't mean anything to me or to my wife. And then the words drifted over me. And God hammered home the sweet, sweet truth. Robert, you are not done. I sat down where we were that Sunday morning and wept. I'm making it look easy this morning. I wept. All my wife could do was put her hands on my shoulders and affirm, God knows what he's doing. To hear that sweet whisper, God declaring, I am not done. That's the way God has spoken that sweet, quiet whisper into my life. Through His Word. Through the words of His servants. Through the quiet whisper of a loving, good, good Father, God has led us. I don't know where God is in your heart and life today. I don't know what God is speaking personally to you. I've shared my story. The question that I'll end with is this, though. Are you actively listening for the voice of our Father who knows the plans He has for you? Who knows the pain we're experiencing? who knows the comfort you need. Are we awaiting His voice when we're all lost? We have lost all hope and direction and are wondering what's next. My hope and prayer for each one of you is this, that you will be attentive to the voices that God uses to speak into your life and that you will be sensitive to that sweet whisper if that's the voice that He chooses. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for being a God who knows that above all things, you are actively waiting for your children to hear your sweet voice. Father, for each one present this morning, whatever their need may be, wherever their heart may be beating today, I pray, Almighty God, that they would find you all that they require. To your honor and glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for praying for us, brother. And uh, let's just uh, give this man just a warm applause this morning. Thank you.
not easy to be vulnerable and open, and you were this morning. So would you just pray with me? Lord, thank you for our brother, Robert. Thank you for his heart for you, for his willingness to be transparent this morning. Thank you you called him to rest, and then you called him to wait, and now you've called him to get ready. So we pray that you will open up the doors of ministry, whatever you want, God. You're sovereign God. You're a good, good father, and we love you, and we're grateful, Lord. So thank you for Robert and Charlene and their family, and I pray your blessing upon them. I pray that you'll open the doors, Lord, as you so desire for them, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.